from us is praises to the thrice holy God. What we long to deliver unto your throne of grace today is not a, a smidgen of merit. It is not a hint of boast. It is simply the recognition that you are infinitely good and because you are, you made provision for those of us who aren't. We are a people who need the forgiveness that only you offer. And we pray, Lord, that while we're here today, you may see that our hearts are, are full because of your great kindness to us. Our Father, we, um, we want to be a church where the, this gospel that declares the righteousness of God can be heard clearly. And oh God, how we long for it to be heard clearly by our youth. Might our children see that what mommy and daddy hold to is not something that is religious tradition bound up in an unthinking package, but that mommy and daddy are committed to the king of kings and that they've embraced the Savior who died in their place. Might our children see the beauty of our Savior as clearly as we. We commit ourselves to that, Father, and do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Um, or return with me to this glorious section uh, devoted to a parable we, we have popularly termed the parable of the prodigal son. We have uh, uh, spent several weeks in this parable, and I will not read the whole parable for you this morning. We, um, we're going to begin in verse 25. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, What do these things meant? And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed a fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed a fetid calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. This morning, ladies and gentlemen, we come to a portion of this parable, which I think you could call the most important section of all. At least it is for us. Let me tell you why I say that. 
I want to share with you an observation that is not original with me. In fact, it was made by a man who doesn't even minister in this city. In fact, this brother pastors in New York City. And he made this observation. He said, here in New York, our churches are filled with prodigal sons. But you who pastor in the Bible Belt, your churches, they're filled with elder brothers. I, I tend to agree with him. And I think you will too by the time we're finished. At least I hope you will. But um, you have to... Um, Think about that for a minute, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are a church in the Bible Belt, are we not? If that observation is correct, that means that we, Grace Evangelical Church, one of those churches that is located in the Bible Belt, our churches are more, our pews, our very wide, comfortable chairs, if it came to a brand, a brother... our chairs could conceivably be filled more with elder brothers than they are with prodigal sons. Keep that in mind. The son has returned. And while everybody else seems to be celebrating that fact, there was one who refused to celebrate. Not only that, he was downright angry. And we're told that he refused, would not go in. The party is, is underway. But the elder brother, he's not about to go in there. And with that, ladies and gentlemen... This parable takes on a whole different thrust. With the, the mention of the elder brother and, and his responses in verse 25, this parable shifts and shifts radically, ladies and gentlemen. L let me explain. When we started this back in uh, whenever it was, September, I think, I, I tried to point out to you, and I've, I've um, reminded you, that the parable of the prodigal son is a part of a trilogy of parables. Three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And all three of those parables come in response to a criticism that Jesus got over in verses 1 and 2. The, um, the, the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man, talking of Jesus, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, in, in the face of that criticism, Jesus responds with three parables, of which the parable of the prodigal son is one. But he is addressing a criticism. And not only is he addressing a criticism, ladies and gentlemen, he is addressing people who bring the criticism. 
in the first half of the parable. Jesus has responded to the fact that he does indeed receive sinners and eats with them. And he says, yeah, you better believe it. Not only do I eat with them, I run after them. I can't wait to bring them into my house. And now, in verse 25, he begins to take on the other guys. He begins to aim his comments at the Pharisees, the ones making the complaint. In this figure of the elder brother, he is addressing eyeball to eyeball the Pharisees in their religious positions. Nothing is said about the elder brother until the celebration begins. The conversion of the one, that is the prodigal son, the conversion of the one simply brings out the lack of conversion in the other. But ladies and gentlemen, don't... don't um, don't miss this. This parable is not seeking to divide the sons up into two, that is, one good one and one bad one. No, no. Uh, only the father is good. He loves both sons. He runs out to meet both sons because both sons are distanced from him. Even though the elder brother appears appears to be close to him. So well, how many prodigal sons are there in this parable? Two. There was a time indeed when the younger son was off in the faraway country and and uh, the elder brother was living at home, and in those days, indeed, the younger son was the prodigal. But then there came another time when the younger son is to be found in his father's arms, once again restored to the father, and the center of festivity and praising and rejoicing and partying. At that time, the elder brother is out in some field pouting, sulking. He was angry and would not go in, says the text. And at that stage, ladies and gentlemen, the prodigal son is the elder brother. And um, the difference between the two of them is that the younger son has renounced his prodigality and has returned to his father's house. There is no record of the elder brother ever returning home. This story closes with the younger son in his father's house and the elder brother pouting in some field far, far away. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there are some distances that cannot be measured by feet and yards and miles. 
I remember when I first became a Christian, somebody told me, and, and if, you, if, you're a, if you're a child of God this morning, you'll know exactly what they meant. But I remember when I first became a Christian, there was somebody who told me that the, the most important distance in the universe is the distance between the head and the heart, that little 12 inches right there. Well, m my point is, the distance that is, that is now between the father and the elder brother is much further away than the prodigal son ever got. You know, I don't know how far it was from where the father lived and where the younger son went to tend his swine, but it's nowhere close as far away as this, this land in which the elder brother now dwells. You know, you really, you really can't read this parable without feeling somehow that, that though the elder brother dwelt or lived at home, that somehow, even when the younger son was in the faraway country, he was closer to the father than was the elder brother. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, in this parable, both of these sons are lost. Oh, oh, the brand of their lostness is different. They have different brands of, of sin. But they're both lost. In fact, in, in all three of these parables, um, in Luke 15, in, in all three of them, something was not where it was supposed to be. Something was away from its rightful owner. The, the elder brother is far away from his father, and his father is described as going out and getting him, just like he did for the prodigal son. On the outside, oh, the elder brother did all the things a good son is supposed to do. But even in the midst of all that, he had wandered far away from his father. As I wrote that sentence, I, I remembered a story, and I, I, I'm sure I've told this story here. If I haven't told it from the pulpit, I've told it to you in private. But it's about the mother who takes her little three-year-old to church, and they find a place in the pews, and, and in the middle of the service, the little three-year-old stands up in the pew. And the mother pulls her down, says, a couple of minutes later, she stands back up and mother pulls her down. Just a short while later, she stands back up, standing in the, in the pew. And her mother yanks her down and says, Little lady, you sit down and don't you dare get up again. The little girl thought about it for a minute and looked at her mother and said, Mother, on the outside, I'm sitting but on the inside, I'm standing. The point, simply, ladies and gentlemen, is on the outside, the elder brother did everything a, a, a good son is supposed to do. But on the inside, he was far, far, far away from that father. He did his duty. 
Oh boy, did he. He worked hard every day, fulfilled all of his obligations. But while so doing, in the midst of his uh, fulfilling all those obligations, his heart grew harder and harder and the distance grew greater and greater between himself and his father. The elder brother actually looks into the face of the father and says, I've been serving you for years. And I have never transgressed one of your commandments. And if, um, if anyone ever deserved a, a fatted calf, it'd be me. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you can see that this part of the parable is uniquely designed by a divine genius uniquely designed to send a clear message to Pharisees. It's multifaceted, that is, the message. You could say it like this. You could say, Mr. Pharisee, do you understand that it is possible for you to be with God, but far from God? Mr. Pharisee, do you understand that you are as lost as the sinners that you see me eat with? On the outside, you appear fine. But, but you're anything but fine. Mr. Pharisee, it is possible for you to never disobey one of my orders. And still be lost. Lost while still at home. Ladies and gentlemen, obedience and hard work are good things, even praiseworthy. But sonship, sonship is not predicated on hard work and obedience. Robes and rings and sandals and even a fatted calf. Those are things that can never be earned. Gang, the, the elder brother glories in his moral cleanness. And, and in one sense, it should be gloried in. You know, it's a, it's a great thing to... Uh, to keep your body and soul unsullied by the kind of pollution that was experienced by the prodigal son. It's a wonderful thing to, to not be haunted by the shameful memories and, and, and bitter regrets that very likely tortured the, the prodigal son till the day he died. But whatever merit there may be in that, it becomes something ugly and, and very dark when that merit becomes the thing that we conclude somehow has put God in our debt. 
this elder brother was very impressed with his moral rectitude. His mind dwelt over and over about how what a fine man he was. His tongue harped on him. And you can believe it, ladies and gentlemen, that if you didn't notice what a fine person he was, it was, it was a cause of resentment and indignation. There's no doubt that he had a group of friends that he used to run with. And they would all compare how they're doing by measuring themselves with the other elder brothers in their crowd. And they would draw conclusions about, well, you know, I'm certainly better off than him because, because I did this. I'm up to that. I sacrifice like this. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing worse than a beautiful woman or a handsome man when she knows she's beautiful or when he knows he's handsome. They let you know it. And in the world of spirituality, ladies and gentlemen, no matter how attractive that outside might be. It becomes positively disfiguring. When we conclude that because there is such beauty there, all is well. And what's worse, ladies and gentlemen, is that moral standing becomes the very grounds of one's separation from God forever. The story ends with one son at home and the, the other son far away. The one who knew nothing of merit and only of grace. He dwells in his father's house forever. The other brother, the older one, who knew nothing of grace but only of merit. He stays in the far, far country. In his smug self-satisfaction and sullen resentment. He stays out there absolutely bewildered that the Father throws parties for restored renegades. And, and the way that he reasons, things just aren't supposed to be that way. In, in his estimation, God ought to be a whole lot more discriminating about, about who he lets in his house. And the way I see it, says the elder brother, the people who are good, they ought to get in. The people who live like my younger brother, they ought to stay out there for
so he tells him that. He tells himself that over and over and over again as he dwells in the faraway country. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come back to this probably for another two, maybe three weeks. But you tell me, the pews of the churches that dot the Bible Belt, are they more frequented by prodigal sons or elder brothers? Which brand of sin do you think most frequents us? Perhaps more personally, which brand of son are you? Father, uh, we thank you for your word that is so, um, so absolutely poignant, enabling us to, um, to gaze through that which may be a facade or gaze through that which may be untrue to come to a realization of what is reality. And I pray, O oh God, that more and more you will use your word to stimulate your people to the place where they find rest in the bosom of their father, their greatest delight. Father, if there are elder brothers among us this morning, oh, show them that they are an elder brother. And show them that their only hope is not to be found in any smidgen of merit. It is only to be found in the Father's grace. Use our church, O oh God, to show people that one eternity-changing truth. And now, Father, meet us around this table by what we go by what we experience here nourish nourish us at the base of our souls for Christ's sake